Impact Sports Daily, WDBM's daily rundown of all things sports. Welcome back to Impact Sports Daily. It is Thursday, October 14th. I am your host, Matt Merrifield, and I am joined today by Jacob Phillips. We have a full slate to talk about today, starting off with Thursday night football tonight between the Eagles and the Buccaneers. Jacob, what are your thoughts on the game? So I think it's no surprise that, you know, the odds are placed in favor of Tampa. You know, they're coming off of, defend, you know, they're defending Super Bowl champions, and the Eagles have been struggling. I know they're only favored by seven points. Uh, honestly, I take Tampa by more. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts has really been struggling, and the Eagles can't really find that offensive identity that they really need to take on a team like the Buccaneers. Yeah, I definitely think that the one-dimensional play that the Eagles tend to have. They rarely run the football. They really rely on Jalen Hurts to make everything happen, which is good for my fantasy football team. But when it comes to playing a well-coached team like the Buccaneers, which if they know that a pass is coming, they're going to be able to set up. And yes, their secondary has been in trouble. And it's been banged up recently, but I see no reason why the Buccaneers can't take care of business on the road tonight. Yeah. And I think it's it's not really Jalen Hurts' fault that, you know, they, they really want to use Devontae Smith. They just got him. I personally didn't think it was going to be uh, as power. He was going to be as powerful as a weapon as he actually is, and so you know I would expect the Eagles to really rely on Devontae Smith, seeing as how reliable he's actually been. You know he's an Alabama wide receiver, and that's not the best track record. But um, you know I think you've got a point with that one-dimensional offense, and the Buccaneers are just an incredibly well-rounded team. Uh, and I think that really just is going to be the downfall for Billy tonight. Yeah, I really expect to see a similar type of game to opening night between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. I think that there's going to be a lot of passing on both sides of the football. I wouldn't be surprised if both quarterbacks make 50, have 50-plus 50 attempts after the night because we know the Eagles, they're probably going to be down most of the game, but they're so they're going to have to throw. And I just think Tampa, they usually like to stick to the style that the other team that the other team tries to play. They're very good at uh, at a mirroring whatever the other team decides to go with so I think that you should expect a lot of passing I think it should be a very exciting game um, based on the seven point spread I would probably go with Tampa by about 10 but I think it could go either way really I think Philly, Philly at home does have a chance tonight yeah and I think one of the key differences between these two offense uh, you know I already talked about Devontae Smith but Tom Brady besides being one of you know the oldest quarterback in the NFL and having some of the most experience and obviously the most Super Bowl wins um, he's also got two of the most prominent offensive weapons in the NFL currently. He's got both Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown at wide receiver. So, I mean, just in wide receivers alone, he's got, you know, double the opportunity that Jalen Hurts has and exponentially more experience to know what to do with those weapons. So I think I, I totally agree. Tampa by 10, uh, if not more, um, I really don't really I don't like Philly's chances here. Uh, I will have to say that uh, Gronk is out tonight, so that is one weapon. But he's missed the last. That will be th- this will be his third week that he hasn't played. But I don't think it'll make much of a difference for that offense. He's still, like you said, Godwin and Brown have been amazing this year. Mike Evans is still a great receiver. I know he's been kind of relegated to a lesser role since uh, AB got there last year, but he is still plenty talented. I would also say that uh, I mean Brady at 44 last week he had his he argued had a career day five touchdowns and 400 yards passing at 44 and he's never done that before I think that's uh, very impressive 
I think the short week, we'll see how that affects the game. The over-under of 52.5, I'm going to go with the over in this one. I like, I'm, I expect to see a high-scoring game, and who wants, whoever wants to pick the under. The, boring, the under is boring. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I really want to see a shootout here on Thursday night. Um, I think it really comes down to Jalen Hurts' ability to face up against the Buccaneers' defense. Um, you know, but there's always the chance that Tom Brady just really – tears apart the Eagles secondary and just gives us that over single-handedly. So uh, I, I have to agree. I take the over on that one. Yep. And then we can move on now to baseball tonight. We have game five of the NLDS between the Dodgers and the Giants. This series has been awesome. It, we knew coming into this year, both the two best records in baseball, both a hundred win teams came in five game series. It's lived up to the hype and I'm hoping game five will be even better and will be a great cap to this series. Urias versus Webb, both pitchers dominated their starts. I think Webb had seven and two-thirds with like 10 punch-outs against the Dodgers in game one. I, I'm really excited to watch it. What, do you, what are your thoughts? So I'm, I'm relatively new to baseball. I just started recently following the Brewers, so I don't really have too much insight on this game. Uh, I do know that the Dodgers are favored, um, even though I'm pretty sure the game's at in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I know they're only favored by, I think, one uh, one run. So uh, I don't know. To me, this game could go either way. It's It sounds like it's setting up to be a fantastic game, one to watch, even if you're not a fan of either team. Uh, you know, this sounds just like one of those great old-fashioned baseball games that really just everyone wants to see yeah playoff baseball i feel is very underrated like not a lot not enough people watch it and it's very exciting game five in san francisco the crowd's going to be crowd's going to be on its feet the entire night i if you have a chance i know thursday night football's on but make sure you keep an eye on the dodgers game i believe it's on tbs tonight make sure you're watching it's going to be an exciting game two great young pitchers going at it urias also pitched really well in game two of the series and the winner will take on the Braves in the NLCS, eliminating your Brewers the other night. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, it's not the way I wanted the season to end, but, uh, you know, I, I have to admit that I was actually really surprised with how the Brewers did during the regular season in general. Um, I wish they could have gone farther, but, you know, you got to be happy with what you got. Yeah, the Brewers, I mean, for how poorly, I'm going to put it bluntly, Christian Elich played this year. The fact that they that pitching carried them to that division title was pretty impressive. And, I mean, tip your cap to the Braves. They've really overcome a lot this year, losing Acuna, losing Darnold for quite a bit of the year, losing um, Soroka to the Achilles injury. I think it's really impressive how they've been able to overcome all that, make win the NL East that was so tough to win this year, and now playing in their second straight NLCS and hopefully take down either the Dodgers or the Giants, although they finished, I think, 20 wins below them in the standings this year, but they still, it's one thing I love about baseball, you have a seven-game series to decide that even if your regular season record didn't show, you still have an opportunity to make the World Series. Yeah, and it's such a shame that, you know, great games like these are set up against, uh, you know, football season, like, like tonight, Thursday night football, because I really think that playoff baseball is something to really appreciate that doesn't get the attention it deserves. It really just you know, you're you're in such a tough uh, time slot here with the start of football season, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, now we're going to move into Red Wings, the Detroit Red Wings. They open tonight their season opener against the Tampa Bay Lightning at home. 
Lightning coming off their second straight Stanley Cup title last season. Pretty impressive win over the... Uh, it was just a really impressive win. And they lost opening night 6-2 to two to the Penguins. It was not the performance I think many expected from them, especially with the expectations they had coming into the season and where the Penguins were slated to finish. But I definitely think the Red Wings do have a chance tonight. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, as you pointed out, the Lightning coming off of two consecutive Stanley Cup wins, which is they're the first team to do that in I don't know how long. I mean, it's it's been I, I well before my lifetime, I'm I'm sure. Um, but yeah, the their loss to the Penguins uh, really is interesting. I remember looking at the score updates, seeing the Penguins leading, I think it was 2-0 going into the third period, and knowing uh, the Penguins with their you know star Sidney Crosby out to a wrist injury, th- it was just not the game I was expecting to to see, uh, in, in a good way, you know, because you know much like the Buccaneers, no one wants to see the returning champion win again, but uh, I really think that the Red Wings, if they can just get the right offensive momentum, you know, might have a chance to really make a good opening statement here tonight against the Lightning. Yeah, I'm sorry. The Lightning beat the Canadians last year in the Stanley Cup final. I just lost my train of thought. Um, They are the eighth team to ever win back-to-back titles, or eighth franchise, I should say. The last team that did it was the Pittsburgh Penguins just a few years ago in 2016-2017. Oh, so I was wrong. Yes. (laughs) But uh, either way, I think that the Red Wings, I'm very excited to watch them this year. I haven't been in a while. for Detroit fans to know that they've been really rough. But I, I would expect a similar season to how the Tigers panned out this year. A lot of young talent coming up. Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond, our former first-round picks from the previous years, make their debut tonight. I'm very excited to watch them play and see them grow. And hopefully the Stevie Y rebuild will truly come through and turn us back into hockey town in that prominent franchise in this league. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. And, uh, you know, as a lot of... Uh, my friends know I'm I'm still in the market for a hockey team to, you know, actually loyally follow. So uh, I guess if the Red Wings make a prominent opening statement here against the Lightning, you know, it this might be the year that I just decide to go full uh, Red Wings, which, you know, it, it's not the route I would expect. But uh, like you said, if they can return this hockey town attitude to Detroit, I think it will be a really fun year to see and watch the team grow. I would definitely jump on the bandwagon. I'm very excited to see uh, the Red Wings come back to their greatness that they had for their 25-year playoff streak. I'm gl- hopefully they can return to that greatness. Uh, as a Sharks fan, would not recommend you get on that bandwagon. We are tanking very hard right now. It's 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 pretty depressing, but at least I have the Red Wings to watch here in Detroit. I get those games every night. So, But I the Red Wings... I think that they addressed a lot of good issues in the offseason, right? Their goaltending, they went out and got Nadelovich from Carolina somehow for just a third-round pick. Um, they got Nadelovich. They addressed some help on the D. On the uh, on D. They got brought in a few veterans to help out and just help these young players grow. And I definitely think that we'll see. There will be some growing pains this season for the Red Wings, but overall I'm, I definitely think we'll see a lot of positive signs and – we'll see a growth from this team that we haven't seen in a few years. Yeah. I mean, being in Michigan, you always got to, you know, hope that Detroit sports can kind of get out of the 
the rut they've been stuck in for a while. You know, uh, I know the Tigers have been doing pretty well the past couple of years, and that's been great to see. Uh, but, you know, the Red Wings, the Lions, the Pistons, you know, you, you really hope that they can start getting some more momentum and kind of get back to what they once were. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Detroit sports uh, been rough the last few years. It's, uh, needless to say, uh, Lions, that's a given. Red Wings have really fallen on hard times. The Tigers are just now starting to get out of it. And the Pistons, I mean, Cade Cunningham coming in this year, hopefully they'll turn it around and it'll be a start of something new here. But I'm definitely excited for the future years of Detroit sports. Three of our four franchises look like they're really on the up and coming. The Lions, I think, are there. Like, obviously, we're not going to win many games this year. I think that's pretty obvious, especially the heartbreaking losses we've had recently. But I definitely see a different attitude in the team when we play, right? The couple of these games we should not be in, right? The Rave, Taking the Ravens down the wire, taking the Vikings down the wire on the road, I definitely think that we're showing signs of life, and I think Dan Campbell has done a good job with the roster that we have because it is not very good. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just going to take time at this point. I know the Lions specifically have struggled with coaching turnover. Uh, they just let go Matt Stafford in the offseason. We've got Jared Goff, who... I'm not a huge fan of, uh, but I think it really just takes time. You know, uh, if you make a couple of those really great picks, maybe like the Browns did, and you come back from one of the worst records in the NFL, um, it really just, you know, you got to make those tough decisions and take the time to really find an identity to come back and, you know, assert yourself as a legitimate threat once more. I definitely think there's hope for the Lions. Um, obviously, Jared Goff is not our future quarterback. I think he's just a placeholder. There are a few options we could take this year. We do have two first-round picks, which is going to help a lot. We could take top-end talent. Like There's a lot of defensive talent in this year's draft, like Kayvon Thibodeau, who will probably, I think, should be the number one pick this year. He's an absolute freak out of Oregon. He could come in and be that edge pass, pass rusher off the edge. That we, I mean, we need a lot on defense. Pretty much you take a defensive player, and he's going to help us. Right corner, we're really bad at. Linebacker, we're in rough shape. D-line, we addressed some issues in the offseason, but I still think we could use some work. Um, but definitely seeing that the Browns have been able to turn it around the last couple of years, it gives me hope, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and I think it comes down to making those key draft picks uh, in the next few years. Um, I remember last time I was on Impact Daily Sports, we talked a little bit about that was back when the Lions were set to face off against the Bears and talking a lot about how the Lions kind of need this, like these talented players that they just don't have. They have this fantastic attitude and put up really good games, but really some of the, the star players right now on the Lions are Jared Goff, and that's not a good position to be in. Yeah, so. I, def yeah I definitely think that um... – we do have some players that are definitely showing that they can play. DeAndre Swift, for what we've gotten this year, he's definitely been impressive. I've liked what I've seen from him. I really think that he can turn it turn into something. He is our leading receiver, which that's another thing. Our receiving core, very bad. I think that um, we have some talent, like Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he can turn into a pretty solid receiver. But I definitely think part of the issue with our offense is that we don't have the weapons other than Hawkinson and Swift to really be effective. I think... Goff can succeed in an offense where he has the weapons around him. I think that's why the Rams 
Some people say they underperformed, which might be true, but they were still a very good team with an under center. But that's because he had Todd Gurley. He had Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, right? He had these guys he could go to. And he had Sean McVay, who is an offensive guru, which is why we're seeing what everybody expected was the Rams to take. Now they've taken another step forward with Matt Stafford at quarterback. And I definitely think they're just, the Rams are now just, they've just taken that next step because of the elite quarterback play. Yeah. And I think Matt Stafford really came out of Detroit and into Los Angeles, really ready to prove himself as this offensive talent that you really couldn't see when he was in Detroit. And I think uh, that's what you're kind of seeing with Jared Goff is that Detroit is such a hard environment to prove yourself offensively in. Um, Then again, I think Jared Goff also has a history of really not doing well under pressure. And I think that's one of the difficulties with Detroit is that it's not one of those, uh, you don't get that offensive line or defense that really can provide comfort for the quarterback to kind of be confident and really shine in. You know, Jared Goff instead has to be more of a leader and this, you know, guiding light for the team. And he's not the guy to do that. He's not going to be the guy that can lead your team to a playoff game if he's in a situation like Detroit. Yeah, especially since he's no longer a young up-and-coming quarterback. He is now a veteran in this league. He's He knows how it works, and now he's expected to come into our into the locker room and be that leader for the rest of the guys, and I just don't think he is. I don't think he can play that role. But I, for the Lions, at this point, they finish. I mean, I don't think they'll finish 0-17 this year. They'll, they'll probably sneak out a few games, but – they get, I mean, they're going to get a high draft pick out of this year, and then they'll be able to rebuild, and we'll truly be able to see what this team can do under uh, Dan Campbell and um, Brad Holmes, which I think he, they've done a pretty good job for the start. I think some of the moves they've made have really helped, and I really think we're headed in the right direction as a franchise. Yeah, like you said, I think they sneak out one or two wins. Um, part of me hopes that they really stay kind of low. Partially, I'm a Packers fan, I'm so... I like to see Detroit kind of <laughs> struggle a little bit, but I also kind of wish that they get those high draft picks that come with such a low regular season win rate. You know, I think, you know, tanking a year might do them good. Uh, you know, obviously teams like the Jets and Jacksonville have seen how that doesn't really work well, but I think Detroit is in a different position where they have that leadership that some of these other teams are lacking and they just really need talent. And I think that high draft picks can get them there if, if they pick right. I would definitely agree with that. They do their record. The rest of the year is really tough. Like um, they got Cincinnati this week at home. I'm probably going to take the Bengals. They were really impressive last week. They should have beat the Packers. Yeah. That, that, w- that was a tough game to watch. Um, I mean, just watching all those missed, field goals really just you know and I've always been one to argue Mason Crosby one of the most reliable place kickers in the NFL and to see him miss I think it was five by the end of that game it really just stung to see um and I I think that you know I I would have to agree that in reality the Bengals probably should have won that game um you know I'm, I'm not happy with the way that the Packers are performing, and I think that the Bengals really should have taken that from us to kind of get us to reevaluate some things. Yeah, I really think the Bengals came out and definitely showed that they are 
not just an up-and-coming franchise, but they really can compete this year. And that NFC North is such a tough division. So losing a game, like, I mean, beating the Packers is a great win. Having that opportunity slip away from them probably will, might cost them at the end of the year. But still, they're really showing some impressive signs, which I'm excited to see. And uh, knowing the Lions, McPherson's probably going to hit a game winner on us this weekend. And it'll probably be from 50 yards if I had to guess. But, uh, it'll, I mean... The Lions, they're going to lose this weekend. I don't think there's a. Yeah, at, at this point, you stop questioning: Are the Lions going to win? And you're going to, and you start asking yourself: Okay, well, how close can we at least get it? Yeah. How close, and how will we lose it? Like I, last weekend, I watched the game, and I saw when we stripped had the strip bump when we stripped it from Madison with like a minute fifty left in the game, and right we're down seven. We go in, and, and as soon as we stripped the ball from, I said, "We're going to score here." And we're still gonna find a way to lose. I just I, I knew it was gonna happen, and then I watched us go for two, and I still knew we were gonna lose because it's it every time, it's 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 depressing being a Lions fan. There's no way around it. Yeah, but I mean, go, going for two like that—that's one of those moments where you really have to make a decision: Do we want to go into overtime and potentially lose by more than seven, or do we want to go for two and make a statement on who we are as a franchise? Um, you know, and, and I think even though. You know, you missed the opportunity to go for two. I think that it really shows that, you know, they're looking to be this offense that is willing to take risks. I remember when, uh, you know, Washington got Ron Rivera and he did similar things where he would go for two in situations like that where he could have easily gone into overtime. And it was less of a uh, move to try and win the game and more of a statement that this is the new direction I'm taking this team in this is what I want us to be, and this is what I want us to look like. Uh, so I think, you know, even with a, a tough loss like that, I think you can still take away some some positives there and think that with the right picks and the right moves that this is a team that is really willing to fight tooth and nail to win games. And I think we've already seen that. Yeah, I definitely love the aggressiveness from Dan Campbell. We've seen it all throughout the year. He definitely goes for wins, and he's trying – to change the culture here in Detroit, which I love, and I think it will ch- turn into wins eventually. I just our team, the, the roster is just not good. I mean, you look pretty much every position we have a need at. I would say O line for the first time in a long time in Detroit is not a need right now. We'd have to address a lot of other areas, but uh, I'm going to switch it over to something a little more exciting. Michigan State football this weekend goes on the road to Indiana. Their last game before the big one on Halloween weekend against Michigan. I'm excited to watch. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts going into the game? Oh, I'm so excited to watch this game. I think if we can pull out another win, you know, and go into this October 30th game undefeated, uh, this campus is going to explode. I saw people talking about how if both teams are undefeated going into the 30th, uh, that it will be the most toxic event on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but looking more specifically at Indiana, I mean, I like our chances. I'm, you know, I'm never short on praise for what Mel Tucker has been able to do with this team in two years. I know last year was a little bit of a, you know, a, a sour note because we went, I think it was two and five, but with the pandemic, it was, you know, facing only big 10 teams and, he really didn't get that recruiting cycle, so he was playing with D'Antonio's guys, and it just wasn't really this pretty situation. But we beat Michigan, which was huge. I, I remember watching that game from my house and just being ecstatic about it. 
Uh, you know, and of course now uh, Michigan will come here, but uh, I, I keep getting sidetracked. I'm really just excited for that game on the 30th. And that's the one thing I'm worried about this weekend is the fact that, I mean, I know it's still two weeks away and that might work in our favor, but we have to beat Indiana. And I know the Michigan game, it won't lose. It'll lose a little bit of its fun, but the Michigan game every year, you look forward to it. It doesn't matter. We've had years like 2016, 2012, where we're, you know, 26, 26 and we finished three and nine and we've got beat up by Michigan. We played Michigan pretty close that year, but it didn't matter going into that game. We were just excited. It's the we always show up for the Michigan game. It's always that game on our schedule. Uh, I just think both teams being undefeated would it'd be the biggest game in the history of Spartan Stadium. I'd have to say it would be two top ten teams going at it undefeated on Halloween. I mean, and it's the Michigan Michigan State game. It can't get much bigger than that. I mean, college game day better be here. Has to be here. But uh, yeah, Kirk Herbstreit, if you're listening, come here. I want the game at three thirty on ABC. And I want game day here. Uh, you know, back to the Indiana game. I think, you know, you're right. I think we just can't get ahead of ourselves as an offense. Um, and in all honesty, you know, I really uh, get nervous every time I watch MSU. Uh, in the, you know, in the first half, it's always this nerve-wracking feeling of, you know, is this the one that's going to break the, the streak? Uh, but then we always seem to come out second half and just turn things around you know, we get these, you know, fantastic punt returns. You know, Kenneth Walker gets a breakout runs. Peyton Thorne makes a, a deep pass down the sideline. Like, there's just, there's these moments in the second half where our offense just seems to click. And as a Spartan fan, it really just makes you so happy to see after the last few years. Um, so I think we really have a good chance to beat Indiana. Of course, the odds are, you know, in our favor by five. Um, I, I would take MSU by, you know, seven, maybe 10, uh, depending on how we look kind of the rest of this week in practice. But, uh, you know, I think if we can just get beat Indiana, I think we can really start focusing on that Michigan game. Yeah. I feel like looking at the lines all year for Michigan state, they're always four and a half, five point favorites. And it's like, like last week, I think we're five point favorites against Rutgers. And we obviously blew that out of the water. I think we cover. I think we win by two scores this weekend. But I definitely can tell that Vegas, they definitely think that they don't know what to think of Michigan State. And I agree. I am the same way. Coming into this year, my expectation, I was excited for the season to see how Mel Tucker would change things. But I had no idea what to expect. Then after the Northwestern game, you're like, we might be for real. Then you beat Youngstown, which you should beat them anyways. But it's like, okay. Then you beat Miami. And now the just the 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 expectation is like I don't want to get myself too excited because it's like we when will it end right you, I I never want it to end I think that we're going to continue to win I think we win this weekend the Michigan game it's a coin toss I think both teams are very good I think I don't think it's fair to put one team ahead of the other I truly believe that they are they're both top ten teams in the country but I don't think it's fair to say Michigan's top five or State's lower I think they're really really quite even. The big, I, I'm just really excited. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, I mean, it seems this year that our team has just caught lightning in a bottle. Just something just clicked this year, coming from a two and five or yeah, two and five season to undefeated top ten. And as a Spartan fan, you're just constantly riding that high of we're on to the next one. We are winning. We're back to what we were. This is great, fantastic. 
you know, it's it's just something you love to see. And uh, I, I think that uh, it, it really is just going to be, it's going to come down to can our team stick out against Indiana and just keep that, you know, focused. Like, we need to beat this team to face Michigan. Because I think the worst thing for our team right now would be if, if we just get ahead of ourselves and think, oh, we're going to be undefeated. I think one of the biggest things for our uh, offense, and I think, and I've seen this a little bit in kind of the culture shift that Mel Tucker's brought in, is that there is always this focus on the next game that we're going to. You know, it's always keep chopping, relentless, on to the next one. You know, we beat Miami, on to the next one. Be- we beat uh, Northwestern or Nebraska, on to the next one. We beat Rutgers, on to the next one. So I think it's really a really key component of our offense that we always focus on whatever game is directly ahead of us. Yeah, Mel Tucker's got that. I don't want to say he's Belichick, but he's got that Belichick vibe. You know, it's on to Cincinnati. It's on to Cincinnati. It's on to Cincinnati, right? On to Rutgers. On to Indiana. On to Miami, right? It's He's not focused on the last week. It's, a, it's behind us. We have to keep moving forward if we want to reach the goals that we have. Um, I mean, I think also with Mel Tucker, him coming, he's changed the culture of this program in just one year. I think there's a lot more excitement about Michigan State football. Um, I think, you know, the changes, right, we're calling it the woodshed now, right? The student section is the deep end. I think that that change of people are excited to show up to games. I think that there's just a different energy this year than years past. Even under D'Antonio, it never felt like we had this same confidence, even in the 2013 to 2015 years. I just... It feels there's just a different energy that has been brought this year, regardless of how the year finishes. I also think this energy has leaked over into recruiting. We've gotten, for the 2022 class, we have, I think, six of the top 10 recruits in Michigan committed as of right now, and at least another one is most likely to commit to us, right? We just got Dylan Tatum, who was supposed to go to Michigan. But I think that culture of what Mel Tucker has brought has really had its effect on recruits, and I'm really excited to see what comes in the future as he continues to build, just getting away from Dan, because we still have plenty of players that were under D'Antonio. I know the transfer portal has helped, right? Obviously getting guys like Jaden Reed, getting guys like Kenneth Walker. Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, the big one, right? And uh, it's just, it's made a huge difference, and I, I'm really excited. Yeah, it's, it's this really big culture shock that Mel Tucker's not just brought to Michigan State, but I think to the entire Big Ten, I think, we have launched into our conference for the first time in forever saying, here we are. We are coming for you. Tuck coming, and we are, we are not going to stop. Yeah, Tuck coming. It's just we are not a team that's looking like we're not going to celebrate, oh, we've made it this far. No, we're going to make it farther, and we are just not going to stop. And I think it, I just I love every second of it. I love all the hype around this team. Yeah, another note about, like, the change, like, our offense. People would say our offense is better than our defense this year. When was the last time you could say that about Michigan State football? Because I, I, I can't. I can't remember. I remember uh, coming into the university as a freshman in uh, 2019. I remember our defense was the powerhouse. I remember watching, like, the pinstripe bowl. Our defense was, you know, one of the reasons why we won that. We've, we've struggled at quarterback for the past, you know, two, three years. Uh, and now I think Peyton Thorne – Peyton Thorne's amazing. Um, he's not quite secure in like I can't quite say that you know we're finally set in our quarterback situation, but like you said, this is the first time in forever 
that I can confidently say our offense is 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 the the good part right. of our team. Right. It's the good. You could almost say that our offense is electric. I mean, I don't want to like put that like in a weird way, but I mean, last weekend Kenneth Walker ninety four yard touchdown or four touchdowns last year or last last week. Sorry, were all big plays. They're all at least sixty yards. Like that's, I mean. That, that, that doesn't happen, right? That never happened under D'Antonio, right? We had, we've had two punt returns by Jaden Reed right, in the last two home games we had. I don't remember last – I don't think we've had two punt returns in a season. I can't remember the last time. I don't think we've ever had that before. It's it just, there just is a huge change. I definitely think that this offense – I know what you said about Thorne. Yes, I still think he can grow, but he is the best quarterback we've had since Connor Cook left, right? Um, I would say that um, – Brian Lewerke for, like, the 2017 season was good, but I don't think people realize how good our defense was that year, and I think that makes a difference. I, I The last time I can remember our offense being better than our defense would probably be 2014. That year, we our defense struggled quite a bit, and that partly do we played some very good offenses like Oregon and Ohio State where we got lit up, which usually doesn't happen. But um, this year is definitely... That offense is really good, and I think that also goes into people don't respect our defense this year. Like, I think our, our front seven is as good as it's ever been, right? We are really, really strong up front. Yeah, I think our – I mean, our offense is obviously the, the best part of our team, but, you know, the defense deserves a lot of respect for what they've been able to accomplish this year. Um, I think in general it's just a really strong team. Um, I, I think it's – nothing short of miraculous what we've been able what Mel Tucker's been able to do in you know a, really a year with only getting one recruiting cycle um you know it, it just opening up i think most of our games with touchdown scoring plays like uh punt returns kick returns for touchdowns it's it's just this amazing uh this amazing team that like i i just can't under uh can't explain what it's like to see this and I also can't explain really how we're able to do it but we are and it's just this amazing opportunity to see it's 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 truly awesome got to take care of business this weekend but um I think that's going to do it for us today I this has been impact sports daily I'm your host Matt Merrifield I'm Jacob Phillips and have a good rest of your day You've been listening to Impact Sports Daily. Our thanks to Impact's General Manager Jeremy Whiting, Station Manager Amber Kinetsky, and Programming Director McKenna Lowndes. For more, visit impact89fm.org/sports.